the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. It is a delight to bring back to the show Dr. Zudi Jasser, author of A Battle for the Soul of Islam and American Muslim Patriots Fight to Save His Faith. He is the president and founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. Those who care about human rights and the survival of the West have no better friend than Dr. Jasser. Zudi, welcome back and thanks for joining us. So much to talk about, sir. Oh, it's great to be back with me, so thank you. You betcha. Well, uh, we built a roach motel, you tweeted out yesterday, and then we had to kill the roach uh, that was uh, sitting right there uh, in the center city of it. You want to tell us what uh, your first thoughts were after the news broke that uh, Ayman Zabahiri was uh, taken off the face of the earth, sir? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, again, a uh, highlight of how feckless the media is. Uh, They don't seem to ask the right questions. It's like... Here's a guy, and by the way, I, I know that, uh, I, I hope and pray that we did get Dewahiri, but I think this is like the sixth time we've killed him, right? That's right, I mean, that's right. <laughs> we, yeah. we supposedly got him in Baghdad, and, I, you know, every time they're, they're like, like oh, roach. we got him. Yeah. yeah. And, and then a video comes out uh, six months later from from him, and he's no longer on dialysis and all the other things that they said he was. But uh, bottom line is, is this guy's a bigger get than even bin Laden. Right. Uh, there's no doubt that bin Laden, when he had his millions, left Saudi Arabia and found Zawahiri, who had an underground network of uh, multiple franchises of al-Qaeda that uh, uh, bin Laden basically uh, uh, provided the uh, charisma and the money, while Zawahiri basically had the uh, uh, revolutionary uh, creds and was the son of the grand imam of al-Azhar University in, uh, in Cairo. So this guy had the ideological, the theological uh, wherewithal for militant Islamism, had written a manifesto writer on 9-11 and helped plan not only that attack, but the USS coal bombing and multiple attacks from Madrid to uh, to London in 2005, uh, on and on. So uh, this, is a, this is a major get, but there's nothing more symbolic than the fact that we had no idea where he was right. while we were there, and then we leave, and al-Qaeda and the Taliban are clearly operating openly in, in, in Kabul, Thinking that we're not only gone, but we're we're useless as a country, and uh, the Al Qaeda guys basically ran the roost there, and uh, he let his guard down, and obviously we knocked him off, which was a good a good hit, but it should make Americans worry about the fact that what else is now thriving in Kabul and in that entire area where we spent 20 years and we couldn't even leave the place appropriately, let alone uh, and now we're talking about over the horizon counterterrorism, which is you know, uh, a marginal at best. Uh, but, uh, you know, how safe are we? Yeah, I mean, even even the New York Times this morning had this pregnant sentence. It's buried in about the 30th paragraph. 
But it does have this sentence in 2021, nearly, which, by the way, exactly a month ago, uh, a year ago this month, in 2021, nearly 20 years after the United States invaded Afghanistan to drive Al Qaeda out, the Taliban retook control of the country and gave its ally, Al Qaeda, safe haven. Al Zawahiri duly returned. Who else duly returned? But that's exactly what we did. We created the government. We gave them five leaders of it who used to be in Guantanamo Bay. Uh, we gave them the arms. We gave them the safe haven. And surprise, surprise, we didn't, We never we never defeated radical Islam, and we never really defeated al-Qaeda, did we? Nope, and there's so many fronts in this battle. First, the militant one as far as al-Qaeda. You know, for anyone who thinks, listen, I, I also came around to believe that we just can't, you know, nation building is not what our sons and daughters and our, our uh, treasury is made for. Uh, um, it was a lost cause. But... Having certain force uh, presence, whether it's through special forces or whatever it might be, Syria to Somalia to Afghanistan is extremely necessary. So the complete withdrawal was was an illusion that somehow withdrawal of troops completely would somehow make us safer. In fact, now we're finding that the the withdrawal of American influence, uh, whether it's simply verbally, uh, you know, and and by the way, the the quotation from Biden's uh, press conference yesterday, I, I had it in front of me, and now I, it's not in front of me. But basically, he said he will find wherever threats there are right. and get rid of them. Right. I mean, that sounded more hawkish than anything I've ever heard, and that's not really what he did. This is not just a threat. This was uh, the the number one most wanted terrorist on, on the FBI wanted list. So just sort of bizarre how useless the verbiage is. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, and how these governments think under his presidency – they can push us around. I mean, uh, yesterday on Twitter, you did a little bit of a tour of the way the world looks right now. CCP belligerents in Taiwan, Russia, aggression in Ukraine, Al-Qaeda, Taliban thriving in Kabul, advancing nuclear Iran. Welcome to a post-American world. Say it isn't so, Zudi, but it is, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, it, it's time, hopefully, as the, the next election cycle goes through, uh, uh, we begin to look at exactly, you know, one of the things we did learn in the last 20 years of uh, some of our failures in Afghanistan from both sides of the aisle is that we need a better deterrence policy so that we don't have to send our troops abroad. And and what does deterrence look like? Yeah, And, you know, there's this concept as Americans that we think, well, if we leave other nations alone, just like if you leave people alone, then they won't bother us and they'll leave us alone. Well, that's not exactly true. There's sort of a triangulation in the world where, where you have NATO on one corner, you have China, Russia, Iran on another corner, and then the Islamic radicals on the third corner, which is jihadism and sort of this neo-caliphate. Well, under Biden, in just a year, those other two corners, China, Russia, and then the Islamic nations, uh, uh, um, even including NATO, Turkey, uh, <laughs> has become uh, sort of working with our enemies. And um, we, we are becoming weaker and weaker. And it's, this is what happens in a post-American world. So deterrence, uh, again, I'm not in favor of invasions and other things, which is nonsense. But if you're going to deter war, there has to be a sense that people are afraid of us, that people are afraid to uh, invade their neighbors, to uh, uh, act against uh, the great Satan, as the Khomeinis call it. And they, they're moving closer and closer to a nuclear weapon. Uh, the negotiations and appeasement uh, is not working. Uh, Al-Qaeda is, uh, uh, the jihadi videos are, are spreading quicker than they ever have because America has the, the, the greatest asset to jihadism across the planet with how 
uselessly and weakly we left Afghanistan. It could have been presented, as you and I talked months ago, a year ago, much differently in a way that let the Afghani people own it. But instead, we we evacuated so quickly, we owned the disaster that became a a 20-year failure that now they're using to recruit more jihadists than ever. So uh, deterrence is no longer present. It's sort of American unexceptionalism that's become sort of the Biden mantra. If there is a Biden doctrine, it's an unexceptional America, not uh, one that people are afraid of and deterred by. Exactly right, Zudi. And all of that as a kinetic level. Talk to us a little bit about the ideological war. You often uh, mention the red-green or the green-red axis. I was axis. I was talking about that with the audience yesterday. Say a word or two about the ideological battle because it's the West, which is in the bit of a nullity, fighting a very strong ideological doctrine, and it seems very hard to fight something with nothing, sir. Yeah, and this is, you know, augmenting exponentially, which is the cooperation between the the red, which is whether it's, uh, you know, communist China, uh, the the uh, vestiges of communism and what was the Soviet Union, now Russia, uh, or uh, the communists and the far-left progressivists across the planet uh, have been working closely with the Islamists. We saw that in the UN. You see it in our own Congress with Ilhan Omar working closely with uh, you know, AOC, and uh, uh, proudly, uh, she she recently proudly got arrested uh, protesting the Supreme Court uh, abortion issue. When actually, as an Islamist, it's a, a sort of a, a bizarre stance for her to have. It shows you that they'll sacrifice any of their principles in order to work with that axis, because their main goal is anti-Americanism, yeah. it's anti-freedom, anti-free markets, as socialists and as. Uh, you know, collectivists. So you saw that with the destruction of our monuments by the Black Lives Matter movement and others. Uh, you see it now with uh, the Taliban destroying uh, what was any history in Afghanistan and and uh, across the Islamists. The jihadists also believe in destroying any vestiges of history so that they can control what the future is, because if you forget history, then you control the narrative into the future. Uh, We're talking to Zudi Jasser. Zudi, I often talk about this, too. It's the world I kind of live in or try to uh, think deeply about. You've done yeoman's work on it. And is it is this underlying thing. Why are these far lefties with weirdly progressive viewpoints that would never be acceptable in any of the countries they support? I mean, think about how long Ilan Omar could or even AOC or Rashida Tlaib could exist in, um, in in just giving a lecture on their domestic policies in in so much of the Middle East places uh, they support, uh, maybe even Bearsate University. How long would they last? Zero, zero minutes is the answer, because there is this underlying neo-socialist Marxist uh, 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 baseline to the Islamist dream palace, isn't there? Yes, and this is why... The jihad has a militant component, which are the true believers right. that want to die for their cause, that are like the Zawaharis, that are the Salafi jihadists, where they come from the, the clerical uh, fabric of Al-Azhar and Saudi Arabia's Wahhabists, etc. So those are true believers. The Muslim Brotherhood civilizational jihadists, like uh, uh, you know the Islamists of the Council on American-Islamic Relations, Ilhan Omar, they use religion as a tool for political power. So they're not as as wedded to some of the principles. They're simply pragmatic supremacists 
who want to they animate their relationships based on their hate for America, their hate for the West. That's how they determine who their friends are. It's not really they care much about Islam or they care much about, you know, uh, uh, um, progressivism. They just want to hate America. So they find the Democratic Party as a very easy vessel to do that and join in the the co-anti-Americanism that exists in the far left in America and, and also then use that through relationships with the U.N. and across the world. It's such a different Democratic Party than what we grew up with. Uh, the Democratic Party we grew up with had no truck for socialism, had no truck for what, you know, these power movements, these ideological Marxist power movements have come to represent, Zudi. But it is an odd thing when a major American political party continues to endow and support them. I mean, it's not as if Nancy Pelosi didn't have choices in the primaries. Uh, Ilan Omar, people like her, Rashida Tlaib, they faced primary challengers in the Democratic Party. This Democratic Party, this Speaker of the House, she chose to endow and endorse the socialists who are part and parcel of the red-green axis. God save us, Sudi. I know, and, the, and it's amazing that the Trojan horse of the so-called moderation of Biden has actually, I mean, during the Obama administration, I never thought we could have a more socialist, more progressivist president and administration. And at this point, the, the not only is the current president cognitively checked out, but at the end of the day, the folks that he has empowered beneath him have, have been far actually more radical than even what we saw uh, uh, before the Trump administration during Obama. It's, it's just, it's, I mean, you look at how empowered Rashida Tlaib is uh, with her anti-Semitism and, and a lot of this. None of it is going resp- – there's any response to it. I mean, even during Obama, the Democratic Party during its convention was apologizing for some of the anti-Semites they were presenting yeah, and others. Right. Now it's almost become standard fare. It's open season. Yeah, nature, Spinoza said, abhors a vacuum. Terrorists love and thrive in them, and so do – Leftist operatives and uh, right, the vacuum and the vacuity that sits at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue has allowed for the takeover and dominance of the far left in that party in in our country. As I say, God save us. You will uh, help in that saving. Your work is uh, continually appreciated, never more so than now, Zudi. And I hope you know never by anyone more so than me in this audience. Zudi Jasser from the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. There's still time for summer reading, folks. If you've never read his book, you'll thank me for recommending it. A Battle for the Soul of Islam, an American Muslim Patriot's Fight to Save His Faith. Dr. Jasser, Godspeed and God bless, sir. You too. Thank you, Seth. You betcha. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.